Hi everyone, welcome to Rich Queer Aunties. It's your host, Christabel. It has been such a long time since I've been here on this podcast. Um, I think it's been since July, to be precise, July of 2022. Um, <laughs> I remember I started this podcast at the height of COVID. I was living in a hotel room working as a nurse during the early stages of COVID. And I had a month off in between contracts and I just wanted to start a podcast as an outlet, as a way to share my story, share insights I had about life, just, you know, tell, tell stories and know that just like I resonate with other people's stories resonate with me. My stories could also resonate with people. And I just wanted to contribute that to the world and to myself. And when I first started a podcast, I named it Aberrant Behavior because I do not think that aberrancy as defined by normal culture is a bad thing. I think it's okay to be considered on the fringes of society. Um, So that's where the name aberrant behavior came from. And um, later on, it transitioned to Rich Queer Aunties, which is the name of my company. And I began to host the podcast with my partner at the time, Janelle. So it transitioned. We had a couple of a few episodes together, which I've now taken down because it was just too triggering for me. And there is just no use or purpose to having those episodes with her up because we have since broken up. Um, we broke up in August of 2022 after eight years together after a marriage uh, with a full-ass wedding. I'm talking dresses, (laughs) beautiful location, guests, the whole shebang. So we were married, then we got divorced um, because Janelle had cheated on me a few times. But after we had been separated for, I think, six to eight months, we got back together under the guise of changed behavior. Um, She was no longer seeing the person she cheated on me with from what she told me. And so I was like, yeah, I still deeply love you. I have loved you for a really long time. So I am willing to give this another try. And we got back together. So I'm telling this story to give you guys just an update and a background of where we have been, where I have been, and where I am going in my life as well as with the podcast. So bear with me while I tell the story, give the background. I like to be thorough. Um, So anyways, we got back together after eight months um, separated Um, She said she was no longer seeing the person she cheated on me with, that she was in therapy and that she still loved me. And I said, I still love you. I am always 
available for second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth chances as long as there's commitment to growth and healing and there's changed behavior. And so I felt really good about that decision to get back together. And so we did. We got back together. This was still during COVID, so 2020. And after COVID, we moved to Oakland. We signed a two-year lease on our beautiful apartment. And we, you know, we decided to give it a go. We, we were living together. We were in couples therapy. And we were just like really trying. That's what I thought. And I think a year after living together, if I tell you all this story, you would be like, what? <laughs> Through a weird set of circumstances, I discovered that she was indeed still seeing the person she had cheated on me with. In fact, they never broke up and they were still together a year after we had lived in Oakland. And the only way it came to light was I happened to discover it. And I would tell you all this story another time because the universe be looking out for me. It doesn't matter how long it takes, you know? I just feel like I have really good fortune in that way where things, even the painful ones, seem to always work out for my greatest good. So I discovered they were still seeing each other. They had never broken up. Of course, I was devastated because, you know, we had just come through COVID nursing. I was really depressed. I had taken nine months off nursing. I was sitting at home crocheting and I was suffering from some PTSD from nursing. Didn't know if I was ever going to be able to go back to nursing, if I could take care of patients without having flashbacks and, you know, and so on. So it was just a really, really difficult period in my life. Um, so when I discovered that they were seeing each other still, I was absolutely heartbroken. I was devastated. Um, yeah, it was a really, really difficult period in my life. But thankfully, I was still seeing my therapist of seven years. You know, I've been in therapy every single week, minus, you know, a couple here and there with the same therapist for seven years. And he, he was such... <sighs> He was everything to me. He was an older white German man who just saw me, who understood me, who had such empathy for me and love and kindness. He was dependable. He was perhaps my first secure attachment relationship and which is really what therapy uh, beyond like the psychotherapy and the knowledge-based part of things, the therapeutic relationship is for people who have suffered trauma and have attachment issues. It becomes really a source of secure attachment and helps you believe that it is possible to have a dependable relationship where you can share your thoughts, the darkest of them, and you will still be 
embraced and treated with kindness and compassion. That's who my therapist was to me. So during this difficult period, I wasn't navigating it by myself. I had him by my side and I just, I was so grateful for that support. We also had our couples therapist whom we had seen before the breakup, you know, actually we were seeing her while my ex was actively cheating and we stopped seeing her when I filed for divorce and we separated. And so it was actually kismet. It was interesting that um, we were, were seeing her again while my ex was seeing the same person she had cheated. I thought that was interesting, but it also meant that she knew our story very well. And I absolutely adored her. I've been really fortunate in that way with ther- with finding therapists and having therapists that I absolutely love and have been such a source of comfort and growth for me. So I had immense support by way of my two therapists, as well as my closest friends, um, just maybe a couple or three of them I could confide in. I could, I could cry to, I could text paragraphs to. Even after discovering that she was still cheating on me, we did not break up. Because again, <laughs> I'm slightly sadistic. I like to actively wield pain as a transformative tool. I like to sit with my pain. I have a high tolerance for pain. So I don't suggest this to you if you're someone who cannot navigate pain without crumbling. Fortunately, I have a high tolerance for pain because of unfortunately a history of pain. So while I was going through this heartbreak, my biggest instinct was to stay put, to discover what this pain was trying to teach me, what lessons lay there, the jealousy that was coming up for me. Why? What was it? So I devoted the next year, because we then stayed together for another year, I devoted that next year to just uncovering, uncovering all the things. You know, when someone cheats on you, I don't know if it's ever happened to you or if you've ever experienced this. There's a lot of comparison that came up for me. Is she prettier than me? Is her eyes more gorgeous? Are her boobs bigger? Does she kiss better? Does she, is she better at sex than me? So that was quite the revelation for me. It was the first time, even after all those years of therapy, that I confronted my self-worth issues head on. Because the truth of the matter is, yes, it sucks that she cheated on me. I don't think I needed the pain to grow. I don't subscribe to that mentality. It was the reality I was facing. It was the reality I was being faced with. So I was like, okay, let's see what things are coming up for me because of this person's bad behavior. And turns out a lot. A lot of it had to do with my self-worth, to be specific, my low self-worth, my low self, it's not even self-esteem because I have 
high, I've always had self-esteem, um, which there's a difference there that we can get into some other time. Or you can just look up the difference between self-esteem and self-worth. So I had high self-esteem and low self-worth that that heartbreak brought into my attention full force. I could not stray, like I could not turn away from it. I had to face it if I was to grow in a meaningful way as a result of this pain. And so that's what I did. And I think it was really important for me to confront then because I am poly, I am a polyamorous person and that's how I choose to navigate relationships. And so Polyam in polyamory, jealousy and comparison comes up, not just when someone cheats on you. And even just like, not even only in polyamory, in monogamous relationships, which is why people keep such close tabs on their partners. Who are you talking to? Where were you? What were you doing? There's such a huge like thing with trying to assure ourselves that the person who loves us and who we love will only love us, will love us the most out of everyone else. You know, that's what happens in monogamy too. It's not just polyamory where we get into this mind frame that we are this person's top love, (laughs) the person they love the most. We like to put love in a hierarchy as though that's how it actually works. So I knew that if I was ever to be able to achieve my desires for myself, which is to love without restriction, love without undue expectations and attachments and ownership, I had to address this sooner or later. And I was presented with the perfect opportunity to address it. I don't recommend, but it worked for me. It gave me an opportunity to really, really dig in and discover the ways that I did not love myself, the ways that I talked down on myself. Um, Whose words were they? Where did those feelings of inadequacy come from. It was, it was an intense period of just like really hard work, but I am proud of the work I did during that year after discovering for the second time that she was cheating on me with this person. Um, another thing that came from that period and mostly as a result of couples therapy is that I learned in a very meaningful way that another person's fuck up, another person's unskillful behavior, another person's inability to live in integrity and honesty had absolutely nothing to do with me. Absolutely nothing. It's not even like a situation where like it has a little bit to do with me. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. Of course, there's this component and this truth that when people lie in relationships, it's because they do not feel safe with within themselves, with the person they're with. But I think, you know, that is such a small component of it. Them not feeling safe to be truthful with me I could certainly do my best to encourage and foster safety, but it ultimately is not my responsibility. And that will not solve the lack of safety they feel within them in this world that makes them hide their truth. 
So that was a huge lesson that I learned that continues to serve me to this day. Being able to extricate myself from the actions of another person. That was such a source of suffering for me. If someone does this to me, it must be because they don't love me. In fact, it must be because I am unlovable. That's the story. And that story ruled my life. It ruled how I was in relationships. That was the source of my anxious attachment. I would always aim to do everything within my power, outside my power, with no boundaries, to try to feel lovable, be lovable, and be accepted by whoever I was seeing. So yeah, I'm just grateful for that period. I learned so much. So much so. I worked through my jealousy enough to the point where I was okay with them dating. I was like, okay, let's do this. You obviously love this person and I can tell that you love me. You're building a home with me. You're signing leases. We're combining accounts. We're starting businesses. And because we are both polyamorous, I really want to try to do this without any restrictions. Because in the past, one of my stipulations for getting back with her was that even though we could practice polyamory, it just could not be with this person because that person had been my friend prior to them getting to know each other. And that betrayal felt just like a big boundary for me that I just could not stand them being in a relationship together. And I don't think there was anything wrong with setting that boundary at that time, because that's just where I was. But, you know, fast forward a year later, I was no longer there. I just, I was healing my self-worth stuff. I was healing my jealousy stuff. And so she did not, that person did not feel like a threat to me anymore. I was just like, Y'all seem to love each other. Y'all seem to have a hard time telling the truth. This looks painful. You look depressed. You're sad all the time. You're crying all the time. You're not eating. (laughs) You don't seem free in your body. And I love you enough without undue attachment enough to be like, I want you to be happy. I want you to live your best life. Life. I want you to be the most polyamorous, free, wild person. So, hey, y'all should see each other. Y'all really, really should see each other. Um, so that's what I told my ex. And that's what I texted to the uh, person they were seeing. I was like, hey, dude, I valued you as a friend. I see why... She loves you. I see, because I I saw those things in you first, which is why I wanted you as a friend and as a lover. We started off as a throuple before they branched away without my consent. Um, So I was saying like, yeah, dude, y'all really, really should date. And so, yeah, they started dating openly. I sent her off on a couple of dates. Um welcomed her back home after dates. And I had a chance during the date, because I think a couple of them, or one was overnight and, you know, some was like 12 hours long or something like that. 
I had to then sit with my emotions. I was working through a strategy with my therapist to develop the ability to be there for myself, to find safety within myself, to tap into my inner child, to do activities that pleased me instead of just waiting constantly for someone to love me, to come home to me. It's just like I put a, I, my habit at that point was to put a pause on everything I was doing and just sit on the couch and watch TV and try not to be too depressed um, while waiting for them to come home and so that my life can start again so I can, I can be loved and I can cook and I can... Um, so when they would go off on dates, my work was to sit with myself to take myself out on a date, to go hiking, to go swing on a swing in the park, to reach out to my friends, to cry to my friends, to form other relationships outside of my primary partner. It was like this thing where I was just like both excited for her to go on a date and like, you know, like both excited and terrified because it meant like, okay, they are on a date. They're probably having bomb-ass sex because we were not having sex at that point. So I was like, they're probably having bomb-ass sex and she's probably having such a wonderful time with her. Um, So that was, you know, that comes with its own pain. But on the other hand, I was like, yes, I get to practice going hiking by myself. I get to practice leaning on my friends, cooking the dishes I want to cook, watching the shows I want to watch. It was a great period of growth. So they were dating, they were seeing each other. And then suddenly my partner, my ex said that she was no longer interested in seeing this person um, because it didn't align with their growth and all this stuff. Well, Surprise, surprise, which I don't think you, you will be. Turns out they were still seeing each other, <laughs> except this time, not openly. For some reason, they really liked the secrecy of things is what I concluded. It wasn't for me to analyze. I wasn't their psychoanalyst, so it wasn't for me to analyze. I was just like, y'all funny, y'all can date. I am not pressed. And during this time, I was free to date too. But I realized that I went on a couple dates during that time too. But I realized that I was dating just because she was dating. And I didn't want to escape in that way. I didn't want to make anyone a pawn in, in that in that mess. So I just like put a pin on dating. I was like, I'm not. <sighs> I got too much to work on. Um, let me just focus and heal and heal and heal and heal. Um, I came into a diagnosis of CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I came into that diagnosis. So I went down a rabbit hole of understanding my symptoms as it relates to CPTSD and ways to heal. And I was just busy healing. I was busy. And I think I was also back to work at this point. I was busy healing. I didn't want to date. I felt like dating was escapism. So I just minded my own business, stayed in my lane. And then fast forward to just chancing upon uh, my current partner, my current girlfriend. Um, At a vending event I was at for Rich Queer Aunties, which, 
By the way, this podcast episode is sponsored by Rich Queer Aunties. We have an online store with merch that is beautiful, soft, sourced ethically in the US. So go on there, make a purchase. Our logo is of my face and my exes. And I kind of want to get rid of that batch. It's such beautiful merch still. So richqueeraunties.com for all your merch needs. And in the store, there is art, original acrylic on canvas from Ghana that I source when I go to Ghana. So please hit us up and sell me out, please, 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 please sell me out. But back to the story. So I was at a, I was at a rich queer aunties vending event. I was just minding my business. I was vending by myself um, because my ex and I had gotten into a fight that morning. We were supposed to vent together. She left. She didn't want to vent anymore. She left and turned off her phone. So I was faced with a decision of do I stay here and vent or do I just leave? In the past, I would have felt so incapacitated. I would have just packed up my shit and just left, you know? But this was the first time ever, all the work I had been doing that past, past year was coming to support me. So I was like, I feel like I can do this by myself. I feel like I can vent by myself. I texted friends to reassure me that I can do it, that I not even just like do it, but actually enjoy it. So I set up the, I set up the vending booth. It was beautiful. People came through. I connected with people. I sold a bunch of shit. Um, (laughs) And one of the people that came to my booth that day was the person I'm currently with. Um, we fell in love. I like it was, I've probably fallen in love four times in my whole life and I'm about to be 38 now. And yeah, we fell, we felt like it was such an immediate connection and it hadn't happened to me in, in the eight years I had been with my ex. And I was just like, what is going on? So Again, we were open to date. We were poly. We were dating. We were supposed to be dating other people. Um, I just hadn't exercised that ability yet because I wasn't, I wasn't interested in dating. Um, and I still wasn't looking. And this just happened to happen. <laughs> and I did not turn away from it. And so that's how come I started dating the person I'm currently seeing I introduced them that same day. We went to their house for a party. My my ex and I went to their house for a party, a get together, and we stayed till 5 a.m., um, all of us. And yeah, we started dating. I was feeling really happy. I was sharing um, with my ex the things I was connecting with this person on. And then jealousy started coming up for them. And I reassured her that I know exactly what that feels like. It feels like it's going to take you out, but it really isn't. And that I'm here to be transparent and honest and vulnerable through the process. 
And yeah, long story short, they just were not able to uh, manage their jealousy. They asked that we close up our relationship for six months while we reconnect and and strengthen our bond, which I don't think it was an unreasonable request necessarily. It just wasn't a request I was able to honor. And I told her that, that I could not close the relationship for six months, especially when after like literally the last four years of our relationship, she has been cheating on me with different people. I could certainly negotiate ways to meet her needs, but I did not feel that closing the relationship to be monogamous was the only available option to us. And she said she was not down with that. So she moved out for a few weeks initially to try to figure it out, to see if she can overcome her jealousy to work on herself without seeing my relationship with this new person up close and personal. So they did that. They came back after six weeks, I think. They, she felt that she was in the right place to witness me have this relationship and be happy for me. I had surgery coming up. I was about to have a hysterectomy and they wanted to come support me through that. It was also our eighth year anniversary that August and they wanted to be here for the anniversary. So she came back and it seemed like she had done some work. I was still, I was living my life. I had grown closer to the person I was seeing. I had fallen in love, like officially for real, for real. I had fallen in love. They were in love with me. And my ex went through my text messages, not that I was hiding anything, went through my text messages, saw the depth and level of our my connection with the person I was seeing. And they basically lost their mind. Um, I can't, you know, I've been there. I've been in a place where I felt like I lost my senses, where I, I acted violently and unreasonably and unskillfully. So I understood what that feels like to feel like out of control of your senses as a result of not being able to manage your emotions. And it culminated in a pretty violent violation where she cut up all my clothes and bleached the rest and moved out. And that was late August. I had surgery that September they moved out in August. I had surgery. I All the friends and depth of connection I had been cultivating that last year came through in an immense way to support me through my healing process. And we haven't been together since. And that's how our relationship after eight years came to a complete end. And that was really, really painful. <laughs> if you know me, you know my clothes mean a lot to me. And to be fair, I remember when I discovered they never broke up, I also destroyed some of their property, some of her property. I had bleached a few of her clothes 
And yeah, so like I can't even front and say that what she did was just like unimaginable, but I felt justified in my hurt, even if my reaction and my action was unskillful and violent as well. I think, you know, in the last few months, as I've been healing, I've been navigating, justifying what I did in reaction to discovering that she was still cheated on me, trying to, you know, justify how different that is from her. Like I destroyed a few pieces. Um, she destroyed every single piece of clothing item I had and all because I was honest in my pursuant of this other relationship. So I've been navigating, like trying to tell this story while not positioning myself as a saint, but also honoring the fact that we're all human with really imperfect behaviors. And some people are triggered and continue to be a trigger for each other which being triggered is not a bad thing necessarily, but if that triggers, if there's no room for growth or for for learning as a result of those triggers, then where does that leave people? It leaves people in relationships that are chronically harmful, if not abusive. So yeah, so she destroyed all my shit. Um, she had said she was going to pay for them. And then she later said she wasn't going to pay for them. She still hasn't paid for them. Yeah, that's the end of our relationship. I wish it ended more amicably because of all the love we shared and all the hurdles we've had to get through in the eight years we were together. But that's not the story. We're not in a good place. And I don't know if we ever will be. But I am in a good place. (laughs) And I didn't want to tell the story until I was at a place where a lot of healing had happened. um, And a lot of growth had happened. And that's where I am right now where I feel ready to like embark on all the things that spark so much joy within me, all the projects, all the career paths that I want to take. And this podcast is a huge part of that journey because I love having these conversations. I love sharing in this way because I know it's not unique to me. There's some shame. There's some like, I'm sure there's going to be some um, vulnerability hangover, you know, but it's okay. If only it makes one person say I'm not alone, that's, it's worth it to me. So in this next iteration of this podcast, I'm going to have beautiful, wonderful guests on. I'm going to have beautiful, wonderful, honest conversations. And I cannot wait to just like really do it. In addition, I am embarking on creating a program that helps people be their most authentic selves, create a life that is full of supportive, meaningful community, as well as live a life that is steeped in luxury both in personal style and home style and just different ways to luxuriate in one's life. 
I'll let y'all know when that program, I'm very, very excited about it. <laughs> um, what else am I missing? I think that's it really for now. I am working still as a nurse, but in nurse leadership now, in nursing leadership, I'm an assistant nurse manager and I love not being bedside anymore. It's just, you know, nursing is still difficult for me. There's still some trauma there, but in this role, I'm able to help new nurses develop their skills and that feels like the best. I can feel it if that if that makes sense. So yeah, that's it for this quick but really long update. For those of you who have been listening to me since you know the aberrant behavior days, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I do not take it for granted. This heals my inner child, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much.